Hey there, friends, and welcome to episode 211 of Just the Zoo of Us. This week, I'm joined by an ecologist and entomologist with a love for the unloved as we review one of the world's deadliest creatures. And I'm not talking about some hulking apex predator like a shark or a bear. This killer could fit in a teaspoon. And yet, try as we might, humans just can't seem to get rid of the darn things. In this episode, we discuss the humble mosquitoes, formidable resilience, defend their often underestimated role in their ecosystems, and dish up a serving of girl dinner. So get out your bug spray. Just the Zoo of Us presents Mosquitoes with Kelly Zimmerman. Just the Zoo of Us, your favorite animal review podcast this week. I have a brand new friend. This is Kelly Zimmerman. Say hi, Kelly. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Kelly, what are your pronouns real quick? Uh, She, her, hers, please. Thank you so much. You know, I guess it sounds kind of weird to get excited about mosquitoes, (laughs) right? It might be like a first time that someone's been like, yes, mosquitoes, let's go. They're great, though. Well... I eat a lot of crap for this online. My love my love of mosquitoes knows no bounds. Which I think is a unique perspective and has to have been steeped in a lot of insight and a lot of knowledge into mm-hmm. mosquitoes to really like be able to come around to being like, you know what, this is a cool animal. So before we talk about this cool animal, let's get to know you and how you arrived at this unconventional conclusion about mosquitoes. <laughs> Kelly, tell us a little bit about the work that you do with these uh, insect friends. Sure. So um, I'm a doctoral candidate at um, Montclair State University here in New Jersey. I'm wrapping up my PhD right now, and my research is focused on the um, eastern treehole mosquito called Aedes triceriatus. They're our native treehole mosquito, which is kind of cool. Mostly folks work on the invasive species. I'm sure you've heard of the Asian tiger mosquito. I have, yeah. Yeah. And you used to be in Florida, right? So you probably also had the yellow fever mosquito, Aedes aegypti. I wouldn't be able to identify it on site, I'm afraid. (laughs) No, but maybe you've heard the name, perhaps. There's a lot of dengue going on down there at the moment. Are there a lot of different types of mosquitoes? Oh, yeah. There's several thousand worldwide uh, species of mosquito. And they don't all bite humans, which is the interesting part. Everyone wants to kill all mosquitoes, burn the forest down. Right. Let's get rid of these guys. But um, only really maybe three genera are a problem species for humans. Aedes, Culex, and Anopheles. Everybody else, not so bad. They're the bad apples spoiling the bunch. <laughs> they are. They are. Although they have their role too, I guess. Studying mosquitoes seems like an unorthodox choice for a, a study, like a focus, right? Mm-hmm. How did you get into this work? Well, for my master's degree, I studied arthropod sensory systems, how insects and arachnids experience the world through touch, sight, uh, chemosynthesis, which is uh, scent, basically. Uh, And from there, I wanted to continue working with arthropods. And uh, I ended up finding an advisor. And this is how it goes a lot for folks. You don't usually pick your advisor based on the the animal or the plant. You pick an advisor because you like the type of research they're doing and you get along with them. And I just kind of found my way into this lab with my wonderful advisor, Dr. Matthew Artema. He happened to work on mosquitoes. So I said, you know what? I did work with mosquitoes in the past. I worked at Rutgers University as a laboratory manager. So I had some experience and figured, why not get to know these little guys a whole lot better with with someone I like to work with. It feels like the experience of like when you're in middle school and you have a deep rivalry with some other kid and you're like, you know what? Like maybe you like get grouped together for a group project or something. You're like, (laughs) well, hold on. Maybe you're not so bad. Yeah. I learned so much about them that I've developed a, a pretty deep respect for these organisms. They're incredible animals. They're survivors. You find them all over the world in all kinds of habitats. They lay eggs in different types to suit the habitat as well. Of course, they're disease vectors. 
We don't like that. I certainly don't want anyone to get hurt because of mosquitoes. But they're sort of fascinating. And I kind of, I get it. I get bit by mosquitoes all the time. Oh my gosh. It doesn't feel good. I have that like skin sensitivity where if I get a mosquito bite, it just goes up like it blows up. I get a big like welt and it's so itchy, which as you can imagine, living in Florida in the summertime and we lived against a pond. Oh, boy. Yeah, you're probably munched on all the time. You couldn't set foot outside. (laughs) I took a picture one time because my legs, I stood outside talking to a friend for an hour and my legs were like unrecognizable. Oh, (laughs) boy. I was mangled. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes they get loose in the lab and I'll come home with about a dozen mosquito bites. And I know that it's our Asian tiger mosquito colony that's the culprit because I get welts. I think I'm allergic to them at this point. I've been bitten so many times. So I have that sensitivity mostly for that one species. Have you always been a bug lover? Oh, yes, absolutely. Were you a Uh, bug kid? I was a bug kid. I was an everything kid. Felt. So I'm fortunate to have parents who are are very nature oriented. Uh, My father used to tell me whatever I could catch, bring it home. We'll study it for the afternoon. And we'll learn all about it. And then you return it to wherever you found it the next Mm. day. So we had like animal and bug sleepovers in our garage. (laughs) Slumber party. Yeah. Except everyone's a slug that I found outside. Slugger party. That's what it ends up being. (laughs) I grew up in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey, which is this gorgeous pine forest, kind of wetlandy. And I would bring home hognose snakes. I'd catch catfish in the pond with my hands. I'd bring home <laughs> bugs, frogs, toads. I'd flip rocks and pick up little roly-polies. Um, just everything. And my, my father was always like, this is great. We had uh, two rules in the house, and that's nothing is yucky and everything is awesome. And that's kind of kind of how we lived. What spectacular groundwork for a later career in studying one of the most like widely despised Reviled. animals. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. what a backstory to like just perfectly funnel you into. Well, you know what? How about the animal that probably the highest percentage of people on the earth just absolutely hate? Well, I think probably the most deadly organism on the planet too is the mosquito. Is it really? I think it's killed more folks. That's always the the stat I hear is it's killed more folks mm. than anybody else. By like the spread of disease. Disease, yeah. Yeah, due to oh. disease spread. It feels to me like perhaps maybe a human structural issue yeah. more so than a mosquito <laughs> issue perhaps, methinks. Yeah, there's I think it's a lot a lot more um complex. It's a complex mm-hmm. issue that, you know, there's a lot of sides to it and a lot of facets and, you know, some of it is dealing with the mosquitoes and others is making sure humans have the vaccines and the healthcare that they really need, you know. Right. Not everyone has to die from these diseases. You mentioned that you studied arthropod sensory systems. A long time ago, we had a friend on the show, uh, Dr. Sebastian Echeverry, who studied visual systems and jumping spiders. Oh, cool. And that was absolutely off the hook. Incredible, very cool stuff. Is that the sort of thing? Like, do you study perception in mosquitoes still? Or like, what is it about the mosquitoes that you're studying? Uh, So I'm studying a specific gene that helps them find hosts. So it's for thermal sensitivity. It's how they find heat. And it's not just finding heat, it's finding the correct range of heat. Because if something is a little too warm or a little too cold, it's not the host you're looking for. These aren't the droids you're looking for, you know, but it's (laughs) it's heat. (laughs) I didn't realize it was so narrow. I felt like any moving blood would do. Would do. Well, uh, like I said earlier, um, not all of them feed on humans, which means not all of them feed on mammals. Some species feed on birds, some feed on reptiles. So there's kind of a wide range of thermal sensitivity these species will need to have to find the proper host because blood type is different. Uh, The blood of a frog versus us versus maybe a parakeet. It's all going to be a little bit different. You need the right enzymes to break that structure down for food. And so you don't want to eat the wrong thing. That makes sense. This is my mosquito. It was made for me. For me, yeah. (laughs) Although there is some crossover. There are mosquitoes that both eat mammals and birds or mammals and reptiles or mammals, reptiles Mm. and birds. You know, you got to keep it, keep it loosey goosey sometimes in the animal world. (laughs) (laughs) You got to take what you can get, I think. Yeah, it's good to be a generalist. 
Uh, that is something that usually factors into our ratings for animals, which if this is your first time ever listening to this particular podcast, our whole deal is that we review animals by rating them out of 10 in different categories, the first of which is effectiveness. These are things built into the animal's body, physical adaptations that it has made to let it do the things it's trying to do. So find its source of food, not become food itself. Uh, what would you give mosquitoes? I, I guess I should say the mosquitoes that you study, because you mentioned this is a wide group of mosquitoes. So what would you give your mosquitoes out of 10 for effectiveness? The mosquitoes I study because they are more generalists. They'll go for just about anything. I would give that a 10 because really? you're pretty, pretty good. <laughs> uh, mosquitoes that only feed on maybe reptiles or only feed on birds, maybe a five, because you're limiting yourself, <laughs> at least as far as feeding goes. What's kind of cool about mosquito adaptation, and uh, I'll use the species that I'm working with as an example, is they have all these little tricks to kind of survive and thrive in their ecosystems, in their habitat. So mine, they're container breeders. So they lay their eggs in tree holes, cups full of water. I've seen closer related species in chip bags, potato chip bags with water. <laughs> in the plastic kiddie pool that I left yeah. outside overnight. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've seen them in bottle caps. So you got to give them a lot of props for being in these tiny situations for egg laying. And then on top of it, my species, again, the eastern treehole mosquito, they do a staggered egg hatch. So she might lay 20, we'll say 20 to 30 eggs. This is common of other 80s species as well. They need to dry off and then get wet again. Then some of them will hatch. Not all of them. And those guys will, will grow up and maybe become adults. And then it dries up again because they're in an ephemeral space. Right. That treehole might not always have enough water for a, a larva to go from an egg to an adult. I might dump out my kiddie pool. Yes. <laughs> I might remember it's there. <laughs> right. But their eggs are attached to the side of your kiddie pool. So you dump that, if it's my group anyway, and then they inundate again, and then maybe three or four more hatch. So they, they're hedging their bets to make sure at least some of their babies, no matter what the environment, will make it to adulthood, which is pretty neat. There's different waves. <laughs> yeah, little waves of mosquitoes. Yeah. And I think it's awesome that they're so resilient, really, against uh, drought. Something that I've heard people say a lot about mosquitoes that you've probably heard as well, that I would love to get your sort of like take on is this idea, this very pervasive idea that mosquitoes do nothing for the ecosystem, right? And that they could like be eliminated and it wouldn't harm anybody. Like it, it would only be good to like eliminate mosquitoes entirely. I right. hear that a lot, right? People saying like, we could just make the mosquitoes go extinct and it wouldn't like cause an ecosystem collapse or anything. This is the question I get at every party I go to. <laughs> I would imagine <laughs> so. <laughs> when someone asks me what I do or what I'm studying, they immediately ask this question. And I know there was a paper out by, um, I don't remember what her name was, uh, scientist in nature. And I think it's kind of old at this point. And this is where this idea comes from. She ran a model and the model basically says, sure, we can get rid of them. I have several problems with this. One, the hubris. The hubris. <laughs> the sheer audacity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of us as a species to go, you know what? Screw it. We're gonna. We're not only gonna kill one species. We're gonna kill like six thousand species because we don't like mosquitoes. And like I said again, only some of them are problems for humans. Uh, so yeah, the audacity to wipe out several thousand species makes me insane. Just prune an entire branch off of yeah. the tree of life. Gone. No problem. <laughs> Didn't like that one. <laughs> Yeah, who are we to decide, you know? Right. Medical science is moving so quickly. We're getting vaccines. And uh, now we have CRISPR. We have gene editing. You can potentially make these mosquitoes poor hosts for the viruses that they carry. If they can't carry the virus anymore, they're not dangerous. So I think there's other ways to go about this. Um, two, of course they do something for the ecosystem. <laughs> they're food. These babies are food for everybody. Uh, mosquito larvae is aquatic, so it feeds fish, it feeds frogs, toads, both in adult and tadpole form. Adults feed bats. Think of all the spider webs you've seen covered in mosquitoes. They just, they're a fantastic source of protein. 
No animal relies on them solely or gets most of their protein from mosquitoes, but they're definitely a food source. Our buddies, the dragonflies and damselflies, which everybody loves, their larval form is aquatic and they munch on so many mosquitoes as babies. So they're absolutely food. Uh, they're pollinators. Really? Oh, oh yeah. I didn't know that. I never heard that before. Blowing your mind here with mosquito facts. <laughs> <laughs> so male mosquitoes cannot drink blood. Their proboscis doesn't do that. It can't pierce. It's kind of weak. They go to flowers and they only drink nectar. And then females only need blood after they've mated. When their body tells them, I need to produce eggs Basically, I need protein to make eggs. If she hasn't mated, she will not bite because she doesn't need it. She's drinking nectar with her boyfriend. What a blissful time. Just vibing on a date with your boyfriend drinking nectar. <laughs> drinking like, nectar from a beautiful flower. God, I wish that were me. Oh, man. It's great. I'm jealous. Why can't that be me? <laughs> it could be. I think it could be. If you tried, you talk to your husband after the show. Go find some flowers. Go find some honeysuckle. <laughs> And do it up. <laughs> yeah, they're they're pollinators. And again, they don't always bite. Here in New Jersey, we have a species of orchid, and their primary pollinator is mosquitoes. Oh, wow. So if you like orchids, be excited. So there are other species in the ecosystem that are relying on mosquitoes. They're not like this completely independent little no, no. island. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know that, so say, here's the problem with removing an organism from the food web or several thousand organisms from the food web. We are not just doing that. Uh, so plenty of insects right now are in decline. Amphibians are in decline. Bird populations are in decline. If you remove all the mosquitoes... And then we continue to lose biodiversity of, of, we'll say, in this instance, just arthropods or just insects. Where does it end? Where's our mm. backstop? Uh, where's our safety net? There's no safety right. net. So if it was a closed system and you're only removing mosquitoes and no other species were going to go extinct, I guess it might work out. But that's not how life works. We'd be pulling out a, a large food source and a pollinator source when other things around them are also becoming extinct. So it's not a good policy. Yeah, nature's already uh, going through it a little bit. Yeah, nature's having a time right now. We maybe don't need to pile the problems on. Yeah, she she needs a break. <laughs> Look, I've come up with a new problem for you to have. <laughs> Hope you like it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And again, I think that boils back down to the hubris aspect too of come on, we shouldn't do this. Be cool. Be cool, guys. <laughs> Are mosquitoes considered like a parasite? Would you call them a parasite? Or is this more of just like a prey sort of it's situation? A, it's, we call it a host. A host. So they have a host. They're not really a parasite. Um, their life cycle is only part of it's really dependent on blood feeding. And, and it's really just mm. the females need the blood. So when I think of parasites, I think of more internal things yeah you know well i think of things that have like an ongoing like relationship yeah. with something else where like they're benefiting from them for like a prolonged period of time right this is a pretty short visit yeah it's just like hello i would like some blood please thank you <laughs> goodbye tiny amount i'm out but when it's like that tiny amount a thousand times because there <laughs> are like thousands of them in your backyard <laughs> then you'd be like that's enough that's enough <laughs> yeah i have one somewhere in my apartment there is a mosquito and it keeps biting me in my sleep. Oh, and no. I, I don't know where it is. I've never seen it, but I know by the bite mark on my body that it's a mosquito. I don't know. Maybe it's it's revenge for all the mosquitoes I've killed from my research. I have had to, you know, it happens. You got to dissect some. Yeah, I'm not immune to, I get it. If a mosquito bites me, I squish it. You know, <laughs> I have a personal space. Listen, there's lots of mosquitoes. Yeah. <laughs> They're okay. It'll be fine. <laughs> Oh, that reminds me of, uh, do you remember that movie Lilo and Stitch? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The whole, like, or the reason that Pleakley, the, like, skinny alien was coming to Earth was that, oh, what was it? I'm going to try to remember. I just watched this movie not too long ago. They said that Earth was a reserve for the endangered mosquito. <laughs> The Earth was was oh, a protected planet as like a reserve for like oh no <laughs> mosquitoes for <laughs> an endangered endangered species like to the aliens which very funny <laughs> oh that's hysterical wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I loved that perspective. And that, like, the, during the whole movie, he would be, like, enamored by the mosquitoes. Because he'd be like, oh, look, there's one now. <laughs> well, have you... Some of them are beautiful. Have you ever seen photos of mosquitoes before? I haven't, but I will because aesthetics comes later. So I don't want to spoil all of our aesthetics. Okay. But in a lot of animals that have this sort of relationship that relies on like taking blood or something from a host, uh, I'm thinking of things like vampire bats. They'll have to do it in such a way where the host is not alerted to their presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or the host is not aware that they're biting them. I'm acutely aware of when a mosquito bites me. <laughs> I I know immediately when a mosquito bites me. You think so? I mean, like... You think you know immediately? Maybe not immediately, but I can usually notice quick enough to see it still there on me. Mm. And I'm just wondering, like, what kind of ways have mosquitoes adapted to, like, not setting off the security alarm, the basically, <laughs> when they go to bite something? It helps that they're very light. You probably won't feel them landing on you. They're very tiny. Uh, They also administer an anesthetic when they bite. Really? So you won't feel that initial bite. And then Mm. our bodies have an allergic reaction. And that's when the itching begins. That's Uh, And maybe that initial burn you might feel. That's from their saliva entering your blood system. Really? Yeah. I've heard that the saliva is where the problems happen. That's where the itchiness comes from. Yeah, that causes our allergy. I guess I was wondering more about like the disease transfer. Because I think that with ticks, that's what like Lyme disease comes in on the saliva, right? Yep. Yeah, disease transfer too. Whatever virus you're getting from the mosquito is coming from the salivary glands. But uh, that disease is actually moving throughout the entire mosquito system because insects have an open circulatory system. So everything is kind of moving around. They don't have blood. Mm. They, don't, they have blood. They have hemolymph, but they don't have hearts to pump that oh. blood. So they squeeze their abdomens. If you've ever watched a, a bee or a wasp on the ground, you'll see their butts kind of pumping. Is that what they're doing? They're breathing. They use it to breathe. Huh. And it also helps move that hemolymph around their body. So eventually, the virus makes its way all through the system, including the gut. It has to survive the gut, which is the interesting part about uh, vector transfer. And then it makes it to the salivary gland and then out into your body with a bite. It's a long process. It's a big process. That is. It is a wonder. I I almost use the word miraculous. I realize it's the opposite of that. But it is a wonder that the virus is able to like survive all of that like gauntlet and then make it into the human body. And that the mosquito's body doesn't get harmed by the virus either. Yeah, true. That's not fair. <laughs> they have an immunity that we don't. What? <laughs> you don't want to kill the messenger, right? Maybe we should like learn the immunity from the mosquitoes, right? Like feel like what are they doing right? <laughs> oh, our our body systems are so different as as vertebrates. Surely we could just copy paste some of those genes, <laughs> right? Like just it's just that take easy. a couple of those. <laughs> They do it in movies all the time, right? Oh my god, Jurassic Park. Hello. Except that's how you get a mosquito superpower, though. Yeah. Stealing genes from mosquitoes, that's how you get a mosquito-themed superhero. Oh, what a terrible superhero. That would maybe be a supervillain. As much as I think mosquitoes are awesome, they probably would be a a (laughs) supervillain. But maybe one of those like supervillain backstories where it's like they started off wanting to be good, but everyone hated them so much that they got like mercilessly bullied and were like into it. Oh no! Yeah, like became the bad guy. Oh, it's tough. (gasps) It's a real, it's a real Rorschach from the Watchmen situation. But yeah, tragic. Hey there, we're going to take a quick break to hear from a couple of our friends on the Maximum Fun Network. When we get back, we are going to rate ingenuity and aesthetics for mosquitoes. So stay with us. Hi, I'm Bikram Chatterjee, the CEO of Maximum Fun, and I'm here with my fellow worker owner, Marissa Flaxbart, producer. This week for Co-Optober, we'll be highlighting other co-ops who work in the arts. The past few years have been challenging for all kinds of creative industries. We at MaxFun believe that co-ops are better suited to meet these challenges, and there are a lot of other companies who feel the same way. So all this week on our social media and website, we'll be sharing interviews with some of our fellow co-ops. And head to our YouTube channel, Friday, October 20th, where I'll be talking with worker owners from Defector and Stocksy about their co-ops and why the model works for them. And next week is Volunteer Week. Learn how you can participate in that and get details on exclusive merch, our live streams, and other Co-Optober happenings at MaximumFun.org 
slash co-optober. That's C-O-O-P-T-O-B-E-R. All right, class, tomorrow's exam will cover the extinction and de-extinction of the dodo, PowerPoint as an art form, and the history of Eurovision. Any questions? Uh, yes, you in the back. Uh, what is this? It's the podcast Let's Learn Everything, where we learn about science and a bit of everything else. My name's Tom. I studied cognitive and computer science, but I'll also be your teacher for intermediate emojis. My name's Caroline, and I did my master's in biodiversity conservation, and I'll be teaching you intro to things the British Museum stole. My name's Ella. I did a PhD in stem cell biology, so obviously I'll be teaching you the history of fan fiction. Class meets every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. So do I still get credit for this? (laughs) No. (laughs) Obviously not. No. It's a podcast. (laughs) The next category that we rate animals on is ingenuity. This is behavioral adaptations, things that they're actually doing to solve the problems that they face, survive and thrive where they live. What do you give mosquitoes out of 10 for ingenuity? Considering we've had an impossible time eradicating them, think about like the invasive mosquitoes that have come here from northern Africa and from parts of Asia, and we cannot get rid of them. That's got to be at least a nine or a ten. And we're super good at eradicating stuff. Well, we are the best. <laughs> We're hands down the best. (laughs) Our KDR is insane. We are so good at making species go extinct and just cannot get this one to stick. We're just master killers. We're good at killing each other and we're good at killing species. (laughs) We're so good. But not mosquitoes. Not mosquitoes. And apparently not spotted lanternflies either because those guys are- Still working on that one. Still Still working working on on it. They just thrive. Like I said, they can breed in a chip bag with water. They're they're really impressive. (laughs) You mentioned that the work that you do is on how mosquitoes are able to find the right temperature range. Um, And I would imagine that because you mentioned that some of these mosquitoes are pretty specialized, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe they couldn't just, you know, munch on whatever passes in front of them. What do what kind of things do mosquitoes have to do to like find these hosts? Do they have to do a lot of traveling or like how do they make this happen? Yeah, mosquitoes don't travel very far from where they're born. They're not super strong flyers. I don't think of them as being very fast. No, they're very slow. They're slow in flight. They almost hover. It's a wonder you're just not constantly crushing them in the air. <laughs> they're not good. A strong gust can completely change their itinerary yeah. for the day. Oh, they're on the other side of the yard now. That's not what they were planning for at all. <laughs> they can't get back till dusk. It's rough. It's a rough life for a mosquito. Their Google Maps is recalculating <laughs> constantly. It's a very confusing world. I would... Think about being that tiny. So a mosquito is what, maybe five millimeters in in wing length, wing to wing, tip to tip, and everything around you is massive. We walk (laughs) by, we create a weird air current that pushes them or sucks them in a direction. It's an odd world being teeny tiny. Uh, So they are kind of stuck where they're born. They're not going very far. Maybe they'll get to the next yard. Some of them probably have much better or longer flight paths than the ones I work with. But for argument's sake, we'll say one yard, maybe two backyards for mosquitoes. Uh, So with that, they need really sensitive sensory systems so that they can detect food. So they're looking for heat. They're looking for chemical signals like the bacteria coming from your skin, the bacteria coming from your mouth while you're breathing, CO2 that comes out of our mouths. There were, I think, two studies about blood type, and they were kind of spurious. They probably need to be redone at this point, but maybe they're looking for a particular blood type. We know eating certain foods repels them, so that's kind of interesting, yes. What kind of foods? Please tell me immediately, please. It's my secrets. <laughs> no, um, they they don't like um, minty things. That sucks because neither do I. So this is not going to work out, oh. I don't think. <laughs> there was a study in Africa, I believe it was in Nigeria, where they had a few folks in a tent and they were protected, but they would see who the mosquitoes were attracted to. And I'm pretty sure this guy had just had a tea tree oil toothpick or something And there were far fewer mosquitoes going towards him. Wow. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. So there's... If I could just slather that on, that would be great. (laughs) Well, I know that there are a lot of personal health and beauty products made with tea tree oil. You can Mm -hmm. get like shampoo and conditioner. There's probably some sort of like lotion or something that involves it. I'm fairly, I'm like 90% certain it was tea tree oil in that study. 
Yeah, they're they're really looking for a variety of things. There's always that friend who tells me that mosquitoes all go to them. Yes. They're yes. the magnets. <laughs> uh, and they ask me why. And I'm like, you know, I can't, I can't study you personally. <laughs> Are you volunteering? Yeah. <laughs> mm. But I can guess that maybe you're warmer than the other people around you. Maybe you're putting off more CO2. You're breathing more. Pregnant women seem to be mosquito magnets. And I think it's probably that extra blood flow. Pregnant women are warm. They're definitely exuding more CO2. So, you know, maybe find the sweatiest person you know and stand <laughs> next to them and hope <laughs> hope they attract the mosquitoes and not you. And I say that as an unfortunately sweaty woman. So <laughs> I was going to say, like, I am a great person to have around then. I would be awesome to take me on every hike because <laughs> they'll all come to me. They love it. Yeah, I'm always getting bitten. They bite me through my clothes. Oh, yeah. This is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. They shouldn't be able to do that. I don't like that. I hate sleeves. So I'm always like mm. getting them on my arms. But they do go right through your clothes. They don't care. If she's hungry, she's hungry. She's got to make some eggs. What are you going to do? It's wild to me that like, they're so little. And yet that <laughs> tiny, that tiny little needle nose can make it all the way through. Well, it's actually six needles tied together. Six needles tied together. <laughs> yeah, they're proboscises. <laughs> six little syringes all stuck together and then they get you. They're stabbing you six whole times every, every single time. <laughs> it's wild, isn't it? <laughs> However many mosquito bites you think you have, multiply that by six. Mm -hmm. That's how many you've actually got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because if we're, we're going to like zoom in on a on that tiny scale, yeah, it's six. I've heard that like different colors, that like certain colors will attract them. Is that a thing? There's evidence that they do have a color preference. Really? It's reds and oranges. Uh, and that's prob probably has to partially do with their nectar feeding. You want to be able to identify a flower, a brightly colored flower, right? So oh, reds and oranges sure. and yellows. Maybe red is also the color of blood, right? Yeah, so like if maybe. something appears red, it like, looks great. Yummy. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> So they do have, I don't want to say preference because that's, preference is a very human thing to have, but maybe a, they lean a little bit more towards, there's not a, there's not a good non-anthropomorphic word for preference. <laughs> maybe just a tendency. A tendency uh. is better, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In university, if you use words like preference or they like this or anything like that, you will get yelled at because that's not, <laughs> that's not how we talk. <laughs> Not on this podcast, you won't, because we say it all the time. <laughs> and nothing is definitive. So you can't say all mosquitoes or right. every bird or you know what I mean? Because there's always one guy, one little dude <laughs> who is not doing that. And then you look like a moron. So you you've got to contrary. Well, because then you're going to have that one Twitter reply. That's actually. like, um, actually. <laughs> Yeah, we, you know what, we're not, we're not Sith. We don't deal in absolutes. We'll just look at it that way. <laughs> Whenever I'm like writing notes or a script for, you know, a video or something like that, I go through it, I just find all and none. And I have to just like change that, change out. all <laughs> to most. None to occasional. Yeah, little to no. <laughs> <laughs> Very few. When you work with mosquitoes in your... It's the lab that you work lab, with them in, right? Yeah. Do you have to like interact with them very much or is it a pretty hands-off thing or do you do a lot of actually like engaging with the mosquitoes? <laughs> do you have a deep like, bond? Like do I read books to them when I come in and do I kiss them goodnight before a I leave? story time. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was wondering because a long time ago we had an episode with uh, an entomologist in Jamaica who related this story where he was raising mosquitoes to feed to like another thing mm -hmm. that he studied. And at one point he didn't have enough blood to oh, feed no. his mosquitoes and he just rolled up his sleeve and Ooh. stuck his arm in there. And I was like, that is a level of love. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wish I loved anything as much as oh, he loves man. his mosquitoes. <laughs> um, I, I don't do that. Mostly because my mosquitoes are wild caught and they could be carrying like encephalitis mm. or West Nile virus. You got those free range mosquitoes. Yeah, I can't risk that. If these little puppies are just raised in the lab and I ran out of blood, yeah, I would I would do that. No problem. Um, it doesn't feel good. But I had a colony 
of these tree hole mosquitoes and I had to feed them citrated pig's blood. So you warm it up to body temperature and then you put it in a little glass with the lab equivalent of cling film over it. And you flip it over and put it on top of the cage and the females come up and poke their little proboscis in there and they drink. And it, it got to be like... Oh, they're kind of cute. Look at them. I could see Look at it. how cute they I are. I could see it. <laughs> There's something about that, like the nurturing instinct for me, I think, that like, as soon as I feed anything, then I start to think it's cute. Yeah. I start to talk. <laughs> I started to talk to them after a while. I'd like come in and like, hello, ladies. Are you going to give me some <laughs> eggs today? You know, I need eggs for my project. Girls night. <laughs> Girls dinner. No, no, no. <laughs> Girls dinner. <laughs> My girl dinner is a lot different than everyone else's girl dinner. <laughs> oh my God. That's very funny. Uh, thanks. <laughs> but yeah, I would I would talk to them. You know, are you guys doing all right today? Keep yeah. the names. I, I had several hundred, so I couldn't name them. I wouldn't be able to keep track. But uh, yeah, I, I, I formed an attachment to them. They were these little things that depended on me every day to take care of them. I raised them from eggs, some of them. Uh, I watched them become larvae. I watched them pupate and then become full adults. Uh, at one point, I remember sending a photo to some friends and I said, I'm a grandma now. <laughs> Look at my babies. Look at my grandbabies. And it was a whole a bucket of mosquito larvae, you know. You should have like a a little framed picture in your house that says like, my little F2. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this little sweetie. <laughs> I guess like when you work as an entomologist, you have this like unique dynamic where since these animals have such short lifespans, like you can be there for like multiple generations. Oh, yeah. I'm like a great, great, great grandma at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think as an entomologist, everything little is cute now. I'm like, oh, look at that cute little mosquito, or look at that cute little flower fly, or if it's tiny, it's adorable. And uh, if little, if little, then cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it translated onto mosquitoes after a while, and now I, I you know, it's hard. It's <laughs> I'm a weird person, I guess. <laughs> I'm coming to terms with that on this podcast right now. Surely this cannot be the first time you've confronted <laughs> the possibility <laughs> of what a weirdo I am. No, I guess. I guess. <laughs> You were right, Dad. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, Lun. Maybe they were onto something. I was going to circle back to the fact that you mentioned that humans are really, really good at making things go extinct, and we just can't seem to get it to stick with mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. Paired with, you know, what we just talked about, how, like, they have very, very quick turnaround on generations, right? You can yeah. get, like, multiple generations within not that much time. What we talk about sometimes on this show is that when you have these, like, short lifespans, short amounts of time between generations, you get rapid evolution. Mm -hmm. Things can, like, adapt and change and evolve very, very quickly. Because if, like, in a year, you've got a bunch of generations, right. whereas, like, one generation every 10 years, you can really crank out the mutations <laughs> at that point. Is that something that's kind of happening with mosquitoes? Like, do they are they changing quickly? Like, I'm wondering what is making them such a thorn in the side of humans? Mm. Like, why is it that, like, everything we try to do to alleviate our sort of conflict mosquitoes, why, why is nothing working? Um, no, they're, they're not really rapidly evolving. They're just really good at survival. They're just excellent at what they do. And there are so many of them. So they reproduce rapidly because some of them are okay with a wide variety of thermal ranges, humidity, you know, the whole nine as far as survivorship goes. They're just good. They're just really, really good at what they do. And that's the job of an organism is to fill the niche they're in. And if they couldn't do that, they wouldn't be here. And they're just, they're not that sensitive. But I think mostly it's its that rapid reproduction that makes them very difficult to get rid of. And reintroduction. Oh. So, so we have the Asian tiger mosquito here in North America, which came from Asia. And it got here in Texas in like 1980. And since then, it's been reintroduced hundreds of times. Oh no. <laughs> they come over and use tires. What? Yeah. Oh yeah, from Japan. Uh, it's wow. a, there's a big used tire trade in from Japan to here. So even if we did eradicate that one population of Asian tiger mosquito, we're just going to keep getting more because that's how human trade works. We're a global world. So 
we could eradicate every yellow fever mosquito in Florida tomorrow, and then we'll just keep getting more from reintroductions anyway. So it doesn't matter. And because we are targeting specific species, it makes it hard to get rid of something without also getting rid of the good bugs. We don't want to hurt native bees. We don't want to kill native mosquitoes. They're here doing their thing, which is, again, a problem of invasive species. How do we get rid of invasive species without harming the natives as well? So it's just, it's complicated. It's a complicated problem. For sure. This is, sounds like a PR issue for the mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, some of the worst, mm-hmm. some of the lowest approval ratings of any animal gotta be in the bottom, which maybe some people would be willing to loosen up on a little bit if they could perceive mosquitoes as being aesthetically mm. valuable. Uh, which is the last category we rate animals on, aesthetics. How nice is this animal to look at? What do you give mosquitoes out of 10 for aesthetics? Aesthetics, probably a, maybe a six. Okay. They're not butterflies. You know, I'm, I'm realistic. <laughs> I'm realistic. <laughs> <laughs> what, you mentioned some in particular that you found particularly nice to look at. What are they? So we have iridescent mosquitoes. <gasps> oh, yeah. That's my weakness. <laughs> Iridescence? Yes, that's my favorite Look, thing in the world. What are they called? Google, if you can, um, iridescent paddle mosquito. You have to see these. They're stunning. All right, this is going to be a live reaction. Ooh, who is she? Right? Oh, what? What's going on <laughs> with the legs? <laughs> that's a pretty mosquito, right? That is a pretty mosquito. They have little pipe cleaner legs, mm-hmm. little feather duster peacock feather leg warmers what's happening here she's from the 80s and she is ready to work out she's incredible (laughs) she's like this royal blue with like hints of purple Mm -hmm. she's so pretty yeah i love her (laughs) you know what's funny about that species so um it's sabithes cyaneus because of the cyan color of their bodies but the males and females both have these beautiful leg warmers going on. And if the female loses her leg warmers due to injury or whatever, the males will not meet with her. <gasps> yeah. It's a deal breaker. <laughs> Sorry. It's a total deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so tragic. It is. They don't want the her males anymore. are making the decisions. Yeah. It's so Just rude. Like, <gasps> I feel like you only love me for my leg warmers. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a beautiful mosquito. And there are other iridescent mosquitoes. The Asian tiger mosquito is quite beautiful. They're very dainty and they have these beautiful stripes. I do actually like the black and white, Mm. sort of like high contrasting. They're stripes, but their legs are so skinny that it makes them kind of look like spots anyway. They're giving me Jack Skellington vibes. Oh my gosh, that's so (laughs) seasonally appropriate because it's October. Oh my gosh. And when they drink blood, they lift their back legs in this very dainty ballerina pose. Like the pinky up. Yep, pinky up, but it's their little leggy. Listen, like vampires get so much sexy points. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many like sexy vampire sort of tropes. Like that is so associated with like luxurious sort of like indulgent, like gracefulness. It's always and mosquitoes do not. (laughs) But they're far daintier. (laughs) Mosquitoes do not benefit from the same no. sort of lustful the, the romance of a vampire right? very romantic yeah. like we could do something like that with mosquitoes if we could perhaps introduce some mosquito themed like mythology yeah there's like a really really like hot guy <laughs> who turns into a mosquito <laughs> But he wouldn't be the biter. It would, it's got to be ladies. Oh, it would have to be a lady. So yeah, sexy lady a... mosquito myths should be a thing. There's room. There's so there much is. room here. And nobody's capitalizing no. on this yet. And then if, if you want to Google, just Google mosquito male and check out those cute little antennae. Okay, let's. Oh, we just little. Look at him. Just... He's got fuzzy little antennae. That's to pick up chemical cues from females. What a good boy. He's adorable. <laughs> yeah. He's smaller than than she is, significantly smaller, and just a little fuzzy guy. 
And he can't bite me, so nope. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Me and male mosquitoes, we have no beef, no qualms. <laughs> you should just be no best issues friends here. Call it best friends. <laughs> me and male mosquitoes were great. Well, how how are you feeling now about the aesthetics of mosquitoes? You know what is weird? I feel like there's a there's a middle ground. If you get too close, you because I'm looking at some macro images of their face, mm-hmm. and that's too that's too, too close. close. Yeah, too close. That's too much. I don't need to see that much detail. <laughs> that's a little much. It ruins the illusion if you get too close. But if you zoom out too much, then it triggers that like oh no a mosquito like that like slap instinct oh, right. Yeah, that's right. like the immediate like on site sort of response. So like zoomed out, no. <laughs> zoomed in too far loops back around to no but like at just the right sort of focal length <laughs> where you can really get an appreciation especially the iridescent one with the leg warmers that's excellent yeah so yeah i i highly recommend that anyone look up these iridescent paddle mosquitoes because this lovely. could do it absolutely this lovely. could do it <laughs> i'm always here to convert i'm like how do you feel about mosquitoes now aren't they cool <laughs> Well, also, like, I am a sucker for, like, an animal, because I, I love to be a contrarian. So I love it. Like, I like mm-hmm. liking things that other people don't like. So I'm always happy to get, like, more insight into something that is usually reviled, usually not liked. I like giving them the benefit of the doubt, giving them a chance. I, I appreciate that, definitely. And And like you said, like, it's not something that is necessarily their fault. They, they didn't wake up and choose violence. They were just born that way. (laughs) It's just the way it is. I do appreciate all of this insight into the life of the mosquito and the tiny and bizarre little world of insects. (laughs) Before we wrap up for today, I would love it if you could let our friends know about the work that you do, not just in the science world, but also in the podcasting world. Um, I connected with you through your podcast, Bugs Need Heroes. You want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah, thank you. Bugs Need Heroes is a podcast where... We basically give every bug its own (laughs) Spider-Man. Every bug deserves its own hero. Sometimes it's a villain. And we're pretty loose with what we consider bugs. Because a snail can be a bug and a shrimp can be a bug. Oh, I'm a bug anarchist for sure. We are fast and loose with bug, which makes it fun. So I'm I'm an ecologist by trade or or an entomologist. Now I mostly work with insects, but I used to work with birds. Uh, So I have a broad background. And then my co-host, Amanda Nide, is an illustrator and an artist. And she draws a superhero or a supervillain based on that bug of the the episode. And we share it on um, Instagram. We have an Instagram, a subreddit. I guess we're on Twitter. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It brings me great joy to be able to speak about insects and bugs in general in, in a way that's exciting because they do all deserve their own Spider-Man. They're all fascinating. They do. In their own way. Have you done mosquitoes? We have. We do have an episode on mosquitoes. It's called it's called Kelly's Nemesis is the title. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I love them dearly. Maybe everyone harping on them is my nemesis. What did you name the mosquito superhero? Oh, we didn't we didn't give it a name. We just draw. It's usually just a drawing, but oh god, a name is a really fun idea. I think they need a ridiculous name now. You should see Dung Beetle. He's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I was thinking because we mentioned that yeah. for a mosquito, you could do this like very sort of alluring woman superhero. Her name could be Miss Keto. Oh my god! <laughs> believe, <laughs> believe it or not, the New Jersey Mosquito Control Association. So I gave a talk at their conference in Atlantic City, and their mascot is Miss Keto. <laughs> Oh, it's god. so funny she's wearing a sash i love her and she has a little bow on her head oh my god she's everything she's amazing she's adorable <laughs> i love it hold on let me see if i could google that real quick yeah it's probably on our instagram uh i tried that and it took me to a pageant miss ecuador of 2020 <laughs> whose name was andrea quito torres hmm. um so that did not take me to the right thing big fan of the concept oh here we go Look at her. Yeah, I make it less blurry. Wow. But, but yeah, it's on okay. our on our Instagram. She is ridiculous looking in all the best ways. I'm glad to know that somebody else had the same thought as I did <laughs> yeah. and great minds. ran with it. Yeah, great minds. <laughs> well, what's fun is usually it was men or male presenting people who wore that costume at the conference. <laughs> so it was good they, they got to feel what it is to be a lady mosquito. 
what a life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, besides the podcast, I have a, a YouTube channel called Nerdy Naturalists with my friend, Dr. Ped Dineshkar. We kind of break down pop culture and explain the science behind it. So we've done like Star Wars, we've done Harry Potter, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff. But maybe folks can check that out. It's a good time. If you love pop culture and you love science, you know, who doesn't? I think a lot of people listening fall on that uh, Venn diagram oh, overlap. Is there anywhere on like social media or anything that you would like people to follow along with? Like, do you have like a social media or anything you want people to follow? Uh, yeah, I guess Instagram is probably a good place to find me. It's uh, fills your niche. I'm the same name on Reddit. If people have bug questions, you can always send me a Reddit PM. I get them all the time. I don't mind. You can send me your bug photos. That always makes me happy. So yeah, feel free to follow me on, on the socials. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time and your knowledge, Kelly. This has been great. Thank you for having me. I hope we've at least bumped some people up to like neutral. Neutral. I would be so happy with that. <laughs> like, I hope that we've maybe like brought you up to okay. If you've gone from set on fire to eh, I'll take it. I'll take the end. To, yeah, to <laughs> like, we're all right. <laughs> I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for your time. And we will talk to you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you have made a little room in your heart for humanity's arch nemesis. If you liked what you heard, I hope you leave behind some kind words for us in a review on your podcast app of choice. We read them all the time and they make us incredibly happy and each one means the world to us. If you want to hang out with us online, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Discord, TikTok. Links to everything will be in the episode description. You can send me an email at ellen at justthezooofus.com if you have a cool animal you'd like to hear us talk about on the show. We'd like to thank Maximum Fun for having us on their network alongside their other wonderful shows like the ones that you heard promos for here today. You can check those out and learn more about the network and how you can be a part of supporting our show over at MaximumFun.org. Finally, we would like to thank Louis Zong for our theme music. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.